but still be irritated about it. And the fact that you're still irritated, because the example that we gave at the end of our program uh, last week was, you remember a situation and you talk about it as if it happened like yesterday and you hold the person responsible. So you, you could feel like it happened like yesterday, but just like Esau and Jacob, not only did he remember what he did, and he had a right to be irritated. He had a right to have an irritation about himself. But the problem, you know, just like say for instance, if he would think back to how the individual actually um, not not the birthright, but disguised himself to the point where he went in pretending to be his brother. Yeah. When he thought about that, Covered he had himself up with hair. Right, with with the lambs wool. He had a right to be irritated. He had a right if he thought about it and wouldn't look back on it. It, it could make him sad, you know. And I don't think the Lord would hold that against him. But when you hold a grudge, you're not just looking back at the incident and being irritated. You're looking back at the incident and you're still irritated with the individual to the point where you feel like they should be punished. And I think that's what it is. When you hold a grudge, you don't, re you don't look at that person and say, I, I mean, you don't think about anything else except what they did to you. And you want them to be punished. See, it's like you feel like they still have gotten away with something and they still should pay. So you're still thinking that they, they, they owe something. And that therefore, it's not fair that somehow they've gotten away with something. And that's what the problem is. So you haven't forgiven them. You still want them to be held responsible. Well, I would, so what do you tell somebody? You know, because that example was, I, I not too long ago was talking about somebody or with somebody, and they were talking about an instance that happened several years ago in, in a, a church and they were I don't, I don't know if I want to say bitter I don't, you know maybe bitter is might be the right word but the more the person talked the more irritated the person got the more you know uh, loud the person got the, and it was like fresh it was just like brand new like it happened and um I think you have how do you tell that person? How do you how do you tell them that? Do you, or ask them? Do you think you forgave the people? I would ask them why are you so irritated. I would ask them do they hear themselves, and what is it about the situation that makes them so irritated? And do you think that the individual, for some reason, has gotten away with something that they should have been punished for? Well, I don't know. It's, it's not always that easy, you know, because that's a sensitive subject to some people. You know, the topic or whatever the situation was or whatever the instance was that they went through, that's, a, that's sensitive to them. And when they start reliving it, reliving what happened, you know... Well, I can see a person getting irritated if they relive what happened, but if they relive what happened to the point where they now are looking at the individual as if that person has just committed that particular act and somehow they should be punished. Then you have to come out and ask them, well, do you think the person somehow got away with something or somehow you were treated unfairly and therefore you feel like they should be held responsible? 
Because even if it's a sensitive subject, I can see a person reliving things and it really could upset them as if it happened right then and there. I don't think the Lord holds that against the person either. Because that's not really holding a grudge. You can relive something and it can affect you, which is why some people try not to. They try not to bring up something. They try to forget certain things. They try to uh, repress certain things because if they do relive it, it's either it could either make them angry, make them sorrowful, you know, so some people don't do that. I don't think the Lord holds that against the person if they relive something in their mind. It's if they hold something against someone because of what they're reliving. All right, let me ask you, what is, you know, I want a, an example of holding a grudge. So my example that comes to my mind is that, you know, somebody comes to you and they ask you, um, should I buy this car? No, just uh, the quick move here. Should I buy this car? And you give your opinion, and you tell him what you think of the car, and he says, yeah, I think you should. I think you should. And then so this individual, so then say it's me, and I go out and I buy a car based on, you know, you saying it's, yeah, I think I sh you should buy it. And then something happens with the car, and it doesn't turn out like <laughs> I expected. It's always breaking down, and it's costing me more money than it's worth, and then they blame, like, like I would blame you, because you told me that it was okay, that I should go ahead and buy the car. It, and, and I'm irritated about that. Is that? I can see it first sort of, what, what, what is, does that fall in the category it of could. a grudge? If every time they think about the car, right. they feel like the person should. You told me to buy right, it. And feel like you somehow the person should right. help them with the car, <laughs> you know, help them with the repair expenses because they recommended the car. Then I'm thinking, no, you're holding a, a grudge. But I can see every time they think about it, say, every time I think about you saying it's okay for me to get this car, I get irritated. I can see that. But if well, that's look, a little bit different than saying. But if they look at the person and feel like, it's, I got, your, it's your, your fault, fault. I, and I you should do you. something. That's basically what they're saying. It's your fault. I'm stuck with these expenses, and I wouldn't be if I hadn't listened to you, and I never should have listened to you, and therefore, every time they look at you when it comes to advice, they basically... I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Right, because they're holding a grudge about something else. Yes, that, that can lead to a very uh, unwise uh, decision on that person's part because my... The mother used to tell me, you should always be able to recognize the truth when you hear it, regardless of who says it. So if you get irritated with a person about something, you hold a grudge, they could be telling you the truth. And because of something that happened in the past, you don't listen. And you can actually miss out. Well, I don't know. And, and so forgiveness is very, very important to a person's salvation. Right. You have to because the Lord says, you know, forgiveness for oneself is dependent upon how they forgive someone else. You know, and I was thinking about this topic this morning, and then I was thinking about, you know, there are a lot of people that really hurt me, a lot of people that really uh, irritated me, that did me wrong. And, you know, so I had to sit myself down this morning, and I'm thinking, do I really forgive them? You know, uh, and I do. You know, I can honestly say if the Lord came right now, I would tell him, yes, I, I don't care. I don't like what they did, but I sure do forgive them because I would want them to be saved. Right. And I want to be saved. Right. I, I, you know, and I think one way you can, but I don't know if that's one way that you can, a surefire way of saying that you, you know that you've forgiven someone is that you want the absolute best for them. I don't know. Well, the absolute best for them, in my opinion, is salvation. 
And so you want them uh, to receive grace in God's eyesight. So, you know, I, I can't see where a person will want anything less for somebody. And it's not that, because when a person is in their sins and they're in whether they want to admit it or not, if they're not saved, the Lord said, either you for me or against me. And you know that you've forgiven somebody because you don't, you don't, it doesn't bother you. You don't want to hurt them. You don't get, you don't get, it, it, I mean, you, you remember the situation, but it, um, it taught me a lesson. Right. You know, it taught me a lesson. I, I think about that and I'll never do that again. Right. It's an eye opener. Yeah. You know, you say, I've learned from this, you know, I, I, it, it educated me in some, some way, yes. And that's how I look at it too. I was thinking too about what Jesus had took for us on the cross and how he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I, we can imagine what um, the grudge that God could have held against those that did him the way they did him, how they beat him beyond recognition, how they hung him on the cross, how they put thorns on his head, how they just, uh, 39 laughed. You can imagine what um, uh, grudge he could hold, but they say, the word said he's plentiful in mercy. He's slow to anger. Right. And um, so we must, you know, follow his lead and follow his example of when people do things to us, we bless them. Bless those that uh, despitefully. despitefully use us and persecute us and everything. Right, like that. and we bless them by asking the Lord to undertake and to save them, and that the Lord. And sometimes we ask that the Lord have mercy, you know, upon them because we can see judgment. Sometimes you can see people in death is all over them. You can see destruction just following them, and so you end up praying that the Lord undertake for their mind. And really, once you pray for a person, actually mm -hmm. intercede for a person, it changes the way you look at and them. And that's what people should do when they hold a grudge. They should start praying for yeah, the person, not all people, not all of them, but pray for them. <laughs> yeah, and remember that they're a soul just like you are a soul too, and um, that um, God looked beyond our faults and how He saw our needs. Right. So when we see the need of the individual, not that the circumstances. You know, might not irritate you. You might even tell the person, I'm not going to do that again, you know. But the love for the person, when you look at the person, you say, you know, but we're going to move on from here. Because I tell the Lord, I just don't want to dwell on it. You know, I don't want to I don't want to meditate on those type of things. I want to go forward. Because what can you do if the Lord doesn't change it? It's not going to change. And I would just be wasting my time. No. That's the best thing a person can do is to pray for a person. Right. That the Lord save them, that the Lord bless them, that the, that the Lord undertake for them, that the Lord open up their eyes and their ears and their understanding and then touch their heart and, and right. pray for yourself. That you right, because the next time they cuss you out, you know, you say, the Lord's going to have to help your mind. No, <laughs> not that they won't make you angry, because God said, you can be angry and sin not. There are some things people do and they actually make you angry. And so, and then when you go to the Lord, you know, in your irritation, but after, after your anger, you let that incident go in the sense that you're not looking to punish the person, you're looking for the Lord to handle the situation. You're looking for God to take care of it. And that way, if you know, if you can honestly say, Lord, it's in your hands, and feel no longer angry towards the individual, but knowing that God is going to handle it because he's God, then you're not holding a grudge. But it doesn't make you ignorant. You know, some people want things to be ignorant. You know, they, they feel like they can do you wrong a hundred times and a 
Lord said. <laughs> and that's not he, how he meant it to be. Well, we'll move on. I think if anybody has a question, they can email us at tbmjchurch at yahoo.com. If you have a question, comment, a topic you'd like discussed, you can always email us. We'd be happy to hear from you. And um, so I was going to move on and do some current events here. And um, I was, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot about Planned Parenthood. Pro-lifers say that Planned Parenthood just exposed the truth. Somebody sent me this article. Their primary focus is not women's health care. And they said it will no longer accept Title funding so that it can continue to refer women for abortions. The abortion provider announced in the news recently in the wake of a new Trump administration rule which says clinics um, which says clinics that refer abortions cannot for abortions can't receive the funds. It's clear that Planned Parenthood is rejecting 60 million dollars in Title 10 funds for one reason so that it can continue to refer pregnant women for abortion. Yeah, I don't I don't believe in Planned Parenthood. I remember when it first came out and this particular uh, nurse practitioner said that it was just uh, it was basically uh, genocide and it was basically trying to keep the population uh, poor and especially the minority poor in, in, in check because people were under the mistaken idea uh, belief that that they were growing as far as a population in number, they were growing too fast. And then and one way to get around it was to make uh, access to abortions easier. But when it first began, this, this particular nurse practitioner did not look at it as Planned Parenthood. They said it's just basically murder. That, that sounds like Bernie Sanders, doesn't it? Yeah, thinking <laughs> that you can in control the population by killing a, a family's young. That's, just too bizarre. And I mean, people can't see that spirit in, in that particular statement. They can't see the spirit of the person. Uh, and, and the world is like that. They don't see it. They don't recognize it. But saints recognize it. And it's interesting, Abby Johnson, she used to be a clinic director for Planned Parenthood. For whatever reason, she's no longer the director. And she was quoted as saying that they don't really care if they don't receive Title X money because their primary focus is not women's health care. Their primary focus is abortion. Right. Period. Yes. You know, so the next time I, I read about um, Abby Johnson is how she's coming up. Somebody sent me this article, too, about um, I did not know that Selena Gomez had jewelry that... Uh, they call it abortion jewelry. <laughs> Who is Selena Gomez? She's an entertainer. I think she was once um, led to be with uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah, her and uh, Justin Bieber were an item. And I barely know who that is, but you know, I know. Oh, well, we talked about him. Yeah, we you know, coming about to the Lord and yeah, uh, lately. But, and but I couldn't tell you many things he's done. I couldn't. Well, I know. Yeah, I know. It's just that the only reason why I really know is because we're talking about him on, on, on the program. program. Right. Well, anyway, Abby Johnson, she's now an um, activist, and she's a pro-life activist. She went from one end of the ex ex 
stream to the other, and she launched a new line of necklaces only months after actress and singer Selena Gomez went on television wearing jewelry celebrating abortion rights. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, what what is this jewelry that celebrates abortion rights, huh? Right. So in 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in Roe v. Wade made abortion legal. Since then, tens of millions of babies have been aborted in the United States. Um, the new jewelry line from COL 1972, a company founded last year by conservative Pennsylvania homeschool mother and children's author Carla Diadesi, follows Gomez's June appearance on ABC's Live with Kelly and Ryan. So the 27-year-old Selena Gomez made more than a fashion statement by going on the show with a gold necklace. And, you know, I thought it was going to, I don't know what I thought it was going to be until I saw it, but it's just the, the year. It's 1973. Okay. It's a gold chain with the year on it, 1973, and it was made by New York jeweler Sophie Ratner. And according to Sophie Ratner's website, the $380 necklace commemorates the 45th anniversary of the Roe decision. Just think, a baby would have been about their 40s now, probably would have had family, you know. I just, it's just sad. 30% 30, 30 of the proceeds from the sale of each necklace will be donated to the pro-abortion advocacy organization, Physicians for Reproductive Health. Now, is that ironic? Right. <laughs> Reproductive health, and they're killing. They're killing babies. And, I mean, I don't even know. They just if they if they're really just that ignorant. I, I just I just can't believe a person would be that dumb not so, to realize that they're killing their children. So in late May, when Selena was spotted with a 1973 necklace commemorating Roe v. Wade. This um, designer uh, said, I had probably 100 people in our life tribe teaching, reaching out to me over the next couple of weeks asking, will you please counter this necklace, Diadesi told the Christian Post. I didn't take it seriously after the first couple of people that wanted us to counter, and then people were saying, we'll pay to counter this necklace. And that's when... This woman, um, Carla Diadesi, started looking for a jeweler and a distributor that would be pro-life and be able to make the necklaces for us. And so what the necklaces are? 1972. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she runs the company with her daughter. She found a jeweler in Philadelphia who made the mold for the 1972 necklace and now produces the solid gold and silver 1972 necklaces. So, so we're good um, for her. I, I'm sorry. I, I think somebody should stand and, and say something. And so 1972 was founded to serve as a pro-life alternative for conservative families who don't approve of how many of the biggest brands in fashion donate to organizations that promote or provide abortions. Right. Just, you know, take your innocent lives like it's nothing. And then hide behind, it is my body. I said, there's no other, just your body. Johnson, Abby Johnson, is a, you know, I, I just told you, former Planned Parenthood clinic manager whose experiences were the focal point of the 2019 movie Unplanned, agreed earlier this year to serve as 
brand ambassador. She is also the founder of the pro-life group Then There Were None, which helps abortion workers leave the industry. We look around and see companies say, this is ethically sourced. A lot of these companies that claim to be ethically sourced are donating to America's biggest abortion provider, which is incre incredibly unethical. Right. So they want to have ethically sourced fashion that is actually going to protect women and their children. And momentum is growing within the pro-life movement, and we see this all, and we see all these heartbeat bills coming out, yes, being passed, and people, you know, people want alternatives. People really want alternatives. Right, because I, I, I would be surprised at the number of people that I know who just basically irresponsibly. And we're not talking about people who have been raped or people who are victim of, victims of incest. We're talking about people who have deliberately gone out, unprotected sex, promiscuous, and they end up pregnant. And then they just decide to terminate the pregnancy. They decide to kill the baby. And I'm thinking that's just a crying shame. Now, another, another article here about Planned Parenthood, a whistleblower wins $3 million in a wrongful termination lawsuit. A former Arizona Planned Parenthood director who claimed she was wrongfully terminated for alerting her supervisors to bad and dangerous practices by an abortion doctor has won a $3 million lawsuit okay. against her former employer. And um, obviously, you know, her relationship with her employer, Planned Parenthood, started to sour when she reported high complication rates for a doctor with whom she worked. Um, and then why would they get upset with her for exposing somebody who was practicing uh, medicine in an unsafe fashion, who was probably doing surgeries or whatever and wasn't probably qualified or skillful enough. And here, the women are suffering after doing something they shouldn't have been doing to begin with. She worked, uh, Myra, Myra Rodriguez worked for Planned Parenthood for 17 years, and the year before she was fired, she was given the Employee of the Year Award by her boss. Well, she probably was a good employee, but, but that doesn't make her blind and stupid. And then uh, she alleged, Rodriguez alleged alleged falsification of affidavits and patient records, incomplete abortions, and failure to report a minor who had an adult par partner, which the law requires. After she repeatedly made claims that Planned Parenthood was endangering the health and safety of its patients, the abortion giant fired her in October of 17. And so when she stood up, it was at the point when they public Planned Parenthood publicly stated that they wanted to help and stand up for immigrants, that they care about these women, and she said it wasn't true. Uh, you they know shamed wasn't. me for my immigration status. And so she went to, to right. work and filed a law, found an attorney, filed a lawsuit, and won $3 million. In and I'm thinking uh, the, their idea of helping the poor immigrant mothers to abort their children. And uh, her story is similar to that of Abby Johnson, who was also an award-winning director of several Planned Parenthood clinics, and Johnson had a change of heart on abortion after she assisted with a section abortion and watching on the ultrasound as the unborn child tried to avoid the abortion instrument. She later joined forces with pro-life protesters outside of her own clinic 
And like Rodriguez, she ended up facing Planned Parenthood in court. And her story is told in the motion picture Unplanned, which was released earlier this year. But it didn't and get a lot of exposure because I didn't hear about it either. Right, I didn't hear about it. So she had to stare down at Planned Parenthood in court. And um, you know how hard it is to watch people lie about you right. when you know it's not true? And um, so since then, she's gone on to found, and then there were none, an organization that has helped more than 525 abortion industry workers leave their jobs. And uh, she feels vindicated by, by the verdict. I right. hope my case is a lesson to other workers that shows them that the truth will prevail. And I know it probably haunts her. So praise the Lord. Um, we'll have to continue next week. And we have some topics, um, current events, but if you if you would like to send us something, you can always send it to us at tbnjchurch at yahoo.com. That's the initials of the church, True Bible Mission for Jesus church.com, tbmjchurch.com. Um, and then I think we're going to start with some fake news about Jesus and an evangelist. Evangelist. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything have breath. Praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from John 5 and 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what happens if you cover up and hide your sins? And the answer is, you're not going to prosper. The answer can be found in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, which says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsake them shall have mercy. This week's food for thought is, What is the difference in the sleeping habits of a laboring man and a rich man? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. 